This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Nicholas, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thanks for having me. I say trenches because it feels like we're in a war. Do you think we're in a war? We, we are. We, ha we have been for a long time now. People were unaware of it because it's not the kind of war that you expect. It might get to that point, but uh, so far it's been a, um, if you understand the, the work of Sun Tzu and the art of war, the uh, Chinese follow the doctrine of defeating the enemy without fighting. And so it's all about psychological warfare and and uh, hence all of the crazy ideologies that have been dividing us here for the last few decades in America. One of the many unintended consequences of this whole situation is that it's birthed a generation of researchers and citizen journalists and it's united people that that otherwise would never have found themselves connected. I recently was part of an event here in Washington, D.C. called Defeat the Mandates. And, mm. and uh, I was on stage with members of Black Lives Matter, uh, the, the Nation of Islam, Hasidic Jewish leaders, doctors, parents, firefighters, police officers, politicians. So the situation, you're right, it's, uh, it's, it's united us. For those who don't know you, it's it's a weird thing because Plandemic is what? The most censored and most watched documentary in history. What's it? Over a billion views or something crazy like that. It's just, it's more than Gundam style. <laughs> well, I've been a filmmaker and media creator for over 30 years. I was in front of the camera and then I was a, I built my own theater when I was in my early 20s and directed theater and began teaching drama and uh and just really love the arts love storytelling love the the, the power of um, the power of mythologies and 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 bringing the human plight uh to life mm -hmm. on stage so i really fell in love with that for a number of years and um but what really shaped the work that i'm doing now was the um in my early 20s i my brother died of aids actually of bad uh AIDS medication at the hands of Anthony Fauci, the AZ, AZT medicine that was prescribed that killed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And um, 30 some days later, my mom died of bad cancer treatments. And so it was really the thing that um, had me begin to look deeper at our Western medical system and at life itself. Um, and so I had that experience. And then <clears throat> in 2001, I had just directed my first feature length movie and I was in New York to work out a distribution deal. And that just so happens to be the time when the World Trade Center was attacked and I ended up going down to the scene and doing search and rescue and body recovery for three days. And that was the real game changer for me, the, the snap to grid moment mm -hmm. when I realized that I, um, I was in service to something that was not in service to humanity and, and to the betterment of our future. And so I dropped out of Hollywood and started to create my own work. And I've been doing that ever since. Tell me a little bit about your journey because I, I, I know that you were, for example, on the campaign trail with Bernie Sanders. How did you get from that to where you are now, philosophically speaking? <laughs> well, political ignorance is the shortest <laughs> answer. I, uh, I um, avoided politics my 
most of my life. And uh, the first president I voted for was Obama. I was very excited. I, I, um, being a family man, I always have been. I've, I've, I've always uh, treasured the um, the importance of family and the connection of children. And mm. and um, and so when he spoke, it, it it struck a chord in me. And so that was the first time I got involved in politics. And and then I saw what he had what he uh, ended up doing. Um, and I didn't vote for him on the second term because I was uh, shocked at that uh, the hope and change was uh, hopeless and, and, and nothing really changed and, mm. uh, except for six new wars and all kinds of uh, things that I didn't expect from a man who with so much charisma <clears throat> and, um, and so much apparent uh, family value and um, yet their families were being killed in other countries and and so many things were being introduced into our, our system here in America that uh, had me really um, regretting my, my vote. And then uh, I stayed away from politics for a couple more years. And, and then along comes Bernie Sanders. And as uh, someone that was raised by a single mother on welfare, uh, he, he, again, it was the rhetoric that got me. Mm. It, was, it was the helping people at the bottom and, and, and and helping mothers and single mothers and, and, um, you know, having felt the, the sense of, uh, being at the, the, the bottom of the economic system, I, it, it felt like this, this thing that he's reframing as democratic socialism sounded like a good idea. Like if the people were really in charge and able to, you know, just in the way that we would do in any kind of a small village, right? If you're a member of a community and somebody in your community, um, has has some challenges, then the community would come together and help that person, help that family, and so that that's how it was, <clears throat> how it was framed for me that really attracted me, um, and then I ended up going on the road as a documentary filmmaker and creating media to promote Bernie Sanders' uh, 2016 presidential run, um, and it was during that trip that I started to see behind the curtain and realized that um, it was more rhetoric that would lead us into an even worse situation and even more government control. And so it was really, it truly was politi political, political ignorance on my part. And um, I started to study what democratic social, socialism really was. And I started to really deeply de delve into Marxism and the history of communism and, um, and, and saw that Marxist, uh, Mar Karl Marx had said things like, you know, what we're building is communism, but for now comrades, let's call it socialism. Um, you know, because that's the only thing that they'll accept. And, um, and I started to see that I had been fooled once again. And, um, and so shame on me, as they say, you fool me once, uh, fool me twice, shame on me. And so that's when I really r realized that I wasn't doing a good job as a storyteller and as a, a journalist, because I wasn't looking at all sides and doing my homework. Um, and it really pushed me to doing that. So um, I started to then before I would rush to get things out in the media first. I didn't care if I was last. I wanted to be the most accurate. Yeah. And so I started to really d learn how to research. And, and, and that's a whole process in itself because when you have massive big tech corporations like Google that control and filter all of the narrative, um, they give you the, the appearance of truth, right? Because you Google something and then you see, wow, the first two pages all say the same thing. This must be true. And it's not, it's, it's, it's usually the opposite of truth. And so I had to really learn how to find the truth, where to find the truth. And, and, um, and that really uh, gave birth to a whole new 
chapter of my filmmaking and storytelling. That sort of awakening that you're speaking of, do you think that's happening around the world, at least in the last two years, in a, in a much larger degree than previously? It absolutely is happening around the world. You know, it's there. There was a time when I would. I, I I've been saying this a lot when I speak live or anything. I, I said you guys are putting me out of a job because there was a time, and and I'm actually grateful for that. There was a time when I, you know, could send out these links and this information and just blow people's minds. You know, because they it was so new to everybody that they would often doubt it. And then they would. I would say just don't don't listen to me. Just go do your own. Look at that what I sent you, and now go research it. And then come back and just go. I can't believe it, that this is real and um and now i can't send anything out and shock anyone anymore the whole world is doing their own research and i'll try to share something and people go oh yeah yeah i saw that or well here's did you know this is even you know more than that and everyone's on these you know encrypted apps sharing information daily and and so it's like like i said at the beginning of this podcast you know it really did birth a generation of citizen journalists um there were family members that wouldn't even look at a link that I would send them yes. just a year and a half ago, and now they're sending me stuff. And so that's that is um, that's a good thing. Carrie Mullis, Carrie Mullis said a number of years ago in an interview that uh, we're all sort of interconnected, and I think what you're saying there kind of confirms that. Yeah, I think he was referring to the Buddhist notion of yes. everything being interconnected and everything containing uh, everything like holographically in itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very, very wise man. Uh, Kerry Mullis, for those who, who don't know who are listening to this, he was the inventor of the PCR test, uh, who won a Nobel Prize in biochemistry for the invention of that and was a very big um, voice in resisting the work of people like Anthony Fauci saying that the man was doing damage and killing people and was only a bureaucrat and had no medical uh, knew nothing about medicine or science or anything like that, and that his tests should never, ever be used because they, they used it during the AIDS epidemic. And to ever be used to um, to detect uh, whether someone's sick or not, to, to detect viruses, it wasn't made for that. He was very clear mm -hmm. that it should never be used for that. Ironically, Kerry uh, died suddenly right before this COVID pandemic was announced. And um, turns out that that is exactly the test that Anthony Fauci and the WHO and the FDA and the CDC and everybody opted to use. And the reason that uh, Kerry Mullis said it can't be used and the reason he brought up that uh, Buddhist um, theory that everything is contained within everything is because he said his, his, his invention was a cyclical process through which each time that it, it cycled, it was like magnifying a photograph all the yeah. way to the granular structure. And that within anyone, if you cycled it, over-cycled it, you could find anything in just about anyone. Mm -hmm. And so this gave them the perfect ability to raise and lower the case numbers at, at will. And uh, the optimal number is somewhere around 28 cycles. And the, um, the uh, CDC had recommended doctors to cycle it up to 36 or 40 at a time. And, uh, you know, doctors who didn't understand Carrie Mollis's test uh, would do that and then just find, wow, everyone's positive. And then, uh, ironically, an hour after Joe Biden was sworn into office, as the legend has it, uh, suddenly the uh, CDC sent out a, a memo saying, dial that down to 28. And so it suddenly looked like, you know, Joe had the magic touch. The, the cases are going down now that we have a new president. And it's all a game that they play to, um, you know, a lot of doctors call it a case-demic, not a pandemic, but a real case-demic. Yeah. It was all about cases to scare people into being obedient.
Uh, just a uh, disclaimer, Sorry, Mickey. We, we, on this podcast, we don't do any uh, critical thinking here. We accept what we're told by the media. So uh, n- none of that, please. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. I'll, I'll do, my, do my best here. I haven't eaten today, so that, that, that might be um, quite easy. Tons of reasons to have skepticism towards the medical industry. And it's, it's for two reasons. It's because the, the people at the top of the pyramid are incredibly corrupt, and they have been educating everyone under them for decades. And so the majority of doctors, uh, they're waking up to it now. But so many doctors had no idea that they were actually being educated by Big Pharma. And so every, every solution that they have now is a Big Pharma solution, a synthetic drug solution. And then we wonder why opioid addiction and, 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 and death of you know, men 18 to 35 years old is, is the number one cause is you know, things like fentanyl and, and, mm. and opioid uh, addiction around the world is a huge thing. And so um, there's a lot of reason to lose trust in that institution because of corruption and, and incompetence. And, and that's just rampant. Um, the good news is, uh, but it's going to take us a few years to, to, you know, to really recover from the decades of, of toxic system. Um, but so many doctors now, it took them a long time, many doctors who came out publicly and wrote open letters and shamed me and shamed Judy Mikovits are now coming around to say, oops, you guys were on to something. Mm. And it turns out that crazy Judy Mikovits lady is pretty brilliant. And there's nothing that she said that they can prove inaccurate, although they you know, said everything she said was inaccurate. She was just a crazy criminal. Um, yet now as it, it's unfolded, they've, they've realized one by one, if, if I had a dollar for every time I get a text message from someone saying, isn't this what your movie said? You know, because it's people that are like, now they're just discovering the Wuhan lab and the gain of function and the, and the fact that masks can do more damage and that respirators are killing people. And you guys said this in May of 2020, um, thanks to Judy Mikovits. And, um, and so we have absolute reason to be incredibly skeptical and even scared of the medical industries that are out there right now. Um, but there are a lot of people, myself included, that are involved in creating solutions to that. I'm, I'm part of a, a organization of people that are putting their money where their mouth is. A lot of top doctors and entrepreneurs who um, uh, that already own clinics all over the United States that are committed yeah. to revolutionizing healthcare, creating very affordable wellness care that actually honors medicines that work and um, resist any of the medicines that do damage. And so we just launched that last week and it's it's blowing up already. It's called Freedom Med. And if people are curious about that, they can go to freedommed.org. Yeah. Okay? And this it all started with a conversation be, between myself and a very good friend of mine who I met at, as I was on a speaker's tour and somebody who approached me and just said, I, you know, I own I own a, a chain of clinics. I had no idea what was going on in my industry. I feel partly responsible for catering to this corruption and I want to do something about it. And so I want to convert all of my clinics into a solution uh, to this mess. And so here we are, whatever it is now at this point, three or four months later, and it's happening. And we have great doctors that you've interviewed, people like Dr. Zelenko and, and some really incredible people that are involved in this. And they're just they're committed to solutions. They're committed to two things, and that is keeping people healthy 
and off of pharmaceutical uh, dependencies. And they're um, also committed to creating revenue systems that support all the doctors who have been fired that are no longer allowed to do their job mm. so that they can continue to serve their oath to do no harm and to help people, but not to be under the stranglehold of the federal government. It's, it's tragic, isn't it? What's been happening? It's really unbelievable, you know, because it's the uh, of all institutions that we should trust the most are the people who have taken a vow to do no harm and the people who have spent eight to mm. 12, 16 years of their lives studying medicine. We, we should be able to put our lives in their hands and know that that um, what they tell us and what they put into our bodies is the right decision and, and the highest path for our um, healing and, and bringing us back into balance with nature. But if you understand, if, if for those of you who, listening to this who haven't seen Plandemic 2, I highly recommend it. All of my films are free. They will always be free to the people. If you go to plandemicseries.com, watch Plandemic 2, which is called Indoctrination. Yeah. And within that, there is a Thanks. moment where we, um, I've also extracted this moment, and you can watch that alone if you want to on the same website. It's called The Birth of Big Pharma. And it's very important that people understand the power families such as the Rockefellers and, and the work that John D. Rockefeller uh, did at the basically the early 1900s to destroy medicine. Mm -hmm. um, this is a man, in short, the, the story goes something like this. He was America's first billionaire, a tycoon of oil and steel and a lot of other industries of, of resource industries. Um, once it was discovered through science that medicine could be derived from petroleum as the controller of u.s oil he also wanted to corner this new medicine and so he created uh, took control of things like the ama the american medical association founded the um can uh, the cancer uh, foundations um once his medicine was discovered to cause cancer then he started the foundation so that he could say no the cancer major cancer foundations say it's okay and it's safe and no one knew that he actually really started those and mm -hmm. controlled those it's all about controlling the narrative but this man s systemically went in there and um rooted out all of the doctors that that spoke about natural healing and and and, and the powers of, of holistic medicines the stuff that was really the ancient stuff that was derived from the intelligence of, of our the very planet on which we live that was very successful in keeping people healthy. He, he rooted all of those out. He imprisoned some, uh, had them fired, uh, called them quacks, changed the whole narrative so that all of that alternative, which is now these days called alternative, which is amazing because that was the original medicine. Yeah. And what Rockefeller did, which some people call Rockefeller medicine, that's actually the alternative medicine, which is killing people and has been for a hundred years now. Um, they, they, that is the, that is the man that destroyed Western medicine and people didn't um, has, is Rockefeller medicine. And so AMA is the organization, the union, um, uh, for lack of a better term, that, that you have to be a part of to practice medicine in the United States. And so if you wanted to be a doctor, you had to succumb and submit to this man's curriculum and protocol of medicine, which is a very deadly Oof. and addictive form of medicine. And so that's where it started, and that's how we got to where we are right now. 
What do you think is the role of a doctor? Uh, great question. The role of the doctor is to um, is to enhance our natural health, and that natural part has been removed, and that's the problem. It, there's a war against nature, and but a doctor's job is to bring us back into balance because through certain life choices we make will we'll take us out of balance we eat too much sugar mm. um, smoke too much whatever it is we, we 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 intake elements that are that our body wasn't meant to ingest and it brings us out of balance with our um, the rhythms of nature literally the frequency of nature so a, a, a doctor's job should be through whatever form, uh, whatever medicine is that, that they are gifted with, to their goal should be to bring us back into that where we don't, we no longer need medicine. Yeah. But the role now for doctors, because they've been trained by big pharma, is to make everyone dependent upon medicine. And so, you know, your child now is 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 hyperactive. Yes. Which I have a seven-year-old who is massively hyperactive. You know, the kid won't stop talking. He's full of ideas and that's that's his gift. But we were told to see that as, you know, attention, attention deficit and some kind of a disorder. Yeah. Put him on and Ritalin. So the prescription is, well, then, yeah, put him on Ritalin and it'll calm him down. It'll make it easier on the parents. You mm. know, everyone's uh, this this addiction to, to to comfort, this addiction to convenience. Right. We don't want to go through the discomfort of actually parenting a child doing the work that it takes to actually uh, communicate with a child, find out why they're so hyperactive, what what they're not, um, what they need to say, what what they're not getting to do in their life that is causing them to um, be hyperactive in another area of their life. What what are they not expressing? What gift are they holding within that's that's causing them? What 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 physical activities are they not, they're not engaged in? They're sitting mm -hmm. doing video games all day, and their their little bodies need to actually let off that energetic steam and they're not doing that anymore so when they uh, suddenly the video game's not in front of them they might behave in a hyper way only because they have bottled up energy and then what do the parents do they go to a doctor and the doctor's been trained to say um, so what is it that you want your the problem is, is your child is too loud and too hyperactive well then give them this and they'll slow down mm. and the parent goes wow what a miracle great my life is so much easier now until the kid gets into their teens and the, and they realize that that Ritalin isn't working anymore. And now the kid is looking for meth and other ways to soothe themselves and to calm down because they're now dependent upon a synthetic remedy to dumb down their brilliance. And that's what we're dealing with right now. Um, you know, globally is now the, the men running our nation are, are were once kids raised that way. And, um, yeah. and now they're actually, calling the shots in our in our world um, disconnected from nature itself which is why you have all these big tech um, t the, the, the technocrats of the world mm, that the are super excited about merging humans with AI you know instead of honoring the that and understanding that we will never ever be uh, as happy and fulfilled and complete as as we can be by honoring our natural intelligence our natural systems um, so they keep pushing for this uh, the transhumanism. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But Mickey, what does health or good health mean to you? Uh, good health 
Well, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's right in within that statement. It's, it's good health. It's, it's feeling good. It's having the energy and the strength to, to serve your highest purpose. Mm. And that's why there's a concerted effort to keep people unhealthy because when you're unhealthy, uh, all you're doing is trying to get through the day, trying to maintain, you know, your, your existence when you're healthy and you're full of chi, energy, power, stamina, then you do what they don't want you to do. Mm. You fight back, you innovate things, you're in sharp mental condition. You can, you can look at the problem and create a solution to the problem. You, you're successful in your job. You have enough money to file lawsuits to fight the system. They, they don't want that. And so, so good health is, is a holistic approach of, it's not just a healthy body, but it's a healthy mind. It's a healthy understanding of, of who and what we are and what we came here, how we came here to serve in this life. Um, and it's having healthy relationships. That's a, that's a huge part of, of a healthy life is healthy relationships, not, not codependent relationships, not relationships that most people are in right now. And a lot of people are realizing the fragility of the relationships. I sure did after the release of pandemic, I realized most of my, my relationships were left-leaning Democrats that I was accepted into the tribe only because I agreed with them. So our bond was agreement. And the moment I broke agreement, then I was a traitor. Yeah. So I realized I didn't even know I was in a cult. And so now I just want healthy relationships where we can disagree, where we can have our own ideas, our own styles. We don't yeah. have to be carbon copies of each other, but we, can, we, but we love each other through that diversity. You know, the, my former party talks so much about diversity. There is no diversity on the left. Everyone mm -hmm. has to be in line yeah. with, with one ideology, one mindset. And I love, the, I love the community I'm in now where there's people from all walks of life, all political parties, all, all cultures. And uh, we don't always agree. And that's awesome. It makes it rich and interesting because then we can get into really healthy debates of learning from each other. And, uh, um, and sharpening the sword. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Do you think left, right, liberal, conservative labels still matter? Um, for the time being, yes, but they shouldn't. But right now, there's a, a stepping stone that we have to be aware of. I, I, I have good friends that will say both parties are equally bad. And that's not true. Um, both parties um, are filled with corruption and I, I don't fully trust either party but right now to come out of the tyranny that this world is under as a stepping stone it makes more sense in this age and I never thought I'd say this because I grew up and I was raised believing that anything on the right was greedy and racist and that was the last thing I wanted to be um, but I now live amongst a lot of conservative people, people that would call themselves conservative, even Christian conservatives. And some of the bravest, most loyal, honest people I've ever met are on this side. And these are people that I, I, I know families that are, are actively rescuing Mexican children from the border that are being abandoned, taking them in, feeding them, creating shelter for them. They don't care what color they are. They go to, they go to Africa regularly. They help um, bring eyesight to, to tribes that that, that have uh, deficiencies within their diet mm -hmm. such that they're losing their eyesight, bring back their hearing, build schools. And these are all white Christian people. 
And so when I see this stuff in the news, demonizing these people, I realize now how wrong my judgments have been. Of course, there's, there's greed on all sides. There's ignorance on all sides. Um, but right now, I think as a stepping stone to overcome the tyranny that is really at the hands of the far left. And I don't mean liberals because um, the classic liberal makes sense. Mm. But most of the classic liberals, the people who have maintained enough of their sovereignty to still hold on to the original values of classic liberalism, they are recognizing the downfall of the far left. They look at the ideologies and when people, you know, when they start to push for eliminating the word mother and they go, this is insanity. I'm yeah. not telling my children that there's no such thing as a, a boy and a girl. And so it's pushing them into this middle somewhere. So now we have this generation of political orphans looking for a home. And perhaps just for this next election cycle, it makes sense for people to move to the, to the right in America so that we can at least uh, root out all the corruption within our school boards and the politicians that are wanting to take away our civil liberties and and the, the ones that are at the helm the nancy pelosi's of the world these long you know these these lifelong politicians you know then create some term limits i don't think the solution is in the republican party there's a lot of rhinos and and and, and really corrupt people within that but i've met i have now had the opportunity a rare opportunity that very few people get to sit down and for an hour or two interview officials from the left and officials from the right and I will just say this, my personal experience is that when I ask questions for the people on the left, they're very evasive, they talk in word salads, and they get very angry when they're confronted by the truth. And when I talk with people that have very traditional and moral standards of, that consider themselves right-leaning or conservative, mm. they answer the questions, they're honest, they will admit their, de their, their faults, they'll take, a, they'll take responsibility uh, for when they're wrong, they'll admit it. And there's a general sense of really wanting people to be healthy and happy and free. And right now, that's what matters most. And so um, I hope that a, a day will come when we create a, a people's party that isn't left or right, but it is truly supported by um, a, a benevolent democracy, because we have not ever seen in our lifetimes a benevolent democracy. Uh, our, the, the thing they call democracy right now is mob rules, and it's not yeah. working in, and it hasn't within our lifetime. Uh, did you ever think the day would come when a bunch of uh, truckers wanting freedom would be labeled as right, far right wing fascist white supremacists? No, no, I never thought I would see that until it happened to me. Um, you know, and I've been called all those things, and it's yeah. it's it's just it's just bizarre. I've been called a domestic terrorist uh, for simply telling the truth, for wanting to help children, for wanting the children to be uh, out of fear. Um, for being ahead of the curve with information. Uh, mm. That's my, that's so far has been my only crime. There's nothing I put out in either one of the pandemics. I offered a cash reward for six and a half months to anyone that could prove one claim wrong in either yeah. pandemic and no one took the money. Um, so you think that people would look at that and come back and realize that, you know, that um, it's not, you know, that, uh, that they need to refocus on, on who the real troublemakers are. But I never thought that I would see good working class people. I also yeah. never thought that I would see uh, frontline workers. You know, that that was a startling thing to so many nurses and, and doctors that I've interviewed over the past couple of years is that it, imagine their experience 
of going from one day, you know, everyone's yards have, you know, thank you to our frontline workers, our heroes, and and it just the whole world blessing the frontline workers. Yeah, and a year later. Suddenly, overnight, they're being demonized and fired. Yeah. You know, that shows the fragility of of that the, that world and the ideologies that are coming through. It's about following the narrative and being in compliance. And the moment that these nurses and doctors said, you know, because they're educated enough to say, I've seen damage happening. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ready to risk the damage from my body because I've had COVID. I know what, it, what it's like to build the antibodies. I know that I have a strong natural immune system. And so I, that, I, that I know, and I'm not willing to put something into my body that I'm not sure about. And if it does cause harm, is it okay if maybe if I wait a year to see what these long-term effects might be, and then I'll succumb to the system, sure. Mm. That's what most of them said. And they, the resounding response was, no, you must do what we want now, or you're going to be cast out with the rest of the white supremacists, truckers, whatever. And that thing has gotten old, and the people that are just slightly awake can now see. It's becoming a joke here in America where, you know, the word racist doesn't mean anything anymore. The word white supremacist doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's all empty. It, I mean, they're calling black people white supremacists, <laughs> you know, and and so it just it just defies logic to such a degree that when you use language in such a careless way like that, it destroys the power of each word, and that's what's happened right now. It's a shame because we do have mm -hmm. uh, uh, racism issues, and so now for the people that are actually the true victims of that. Now, when they call racism, it's like yeah. a boy who cried wolf. There's very few people listening now. M Mickey, that actually extends into multiple areas of life. I mean, uh, you have the the issue of 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 women who really are having problems, like in say Northern Africa or the Middle East, but then you have them crying wolf also in the West for silly things. Yep. And it and it diminishes yeah, the right. real the real tragedies. It does. It it really does. It does great harm. And I hope the people mm. that hear this can understand that if you're if you're participating in that, you're mm. doing harm. You're not helping. And I understand what it's like because there was a time when I thought I was helping and I was doing harm with because I just bought into the ideologies yeah. and and whatever my friend said, whatever the wherever the wave was going on Facebook, I wanted to be part of the tribe. So I went, this must be right. Yeah. And, um, and it, it, it's doing, it's doing great damage, you know, because now, like, as you said, when, when a woman is really, um, going through a very hard time and is at the hands of a misogynistic, um, son of a bitch, yeah. you know, what, is, and then she, then now her only course of action is to tell her story, but now her story sounds just like the hoaxers yes. and the people that are making it up over nothing she gets filed in and lumped in mm. to that category and doesn't get the care that she needs. And, and this is a, is a real problem that, that these ideologies are, are creating. It's a, it's a real pandemic as far as I'm concerned. Well, the people that are at, at, at the helm of the control of the narrative understand all of the levers that need to be pulled to control behavior. And there's an intrinsic primal desire for us to be connected mm. with our what we consider to be our community our tribe our culture mm. and so 
they know how to utilize that. They know how to, they know how to, I always, I always talk about weaponized morality. They like to, um, one of the reasons I was pulled in to the false ideologies was because I care. And so a lot of the people that get pulled into these things, it's because they're emotional, they care. And so the, they know how to, to pull those levers so that they can get us more concerned. I'll, I'll, I'll take this back even to um, the manipulation happens in ways that are, are, are so microscopic that it's, they're hard to see at times. But I remember back when I was studying user interface because I was creating some online um, technologies for film distribution. And I was just in the process of learning. And it was around that time that Facebook changed their, their friend buttons to a like button. And all of a sudden there were followers. And I thought it was such a strange choice because I was in the middle of studying, um, you know, like I said, uh, user experience. And I thought, that kind of goes against what I'm learning right now. It's just a weird thing that now I, I have to, I like you. And I'm like, my, instead of just we're connected or we're friends or whatever, mm. it's now I'm, I'm vying for likes. And then I realized real quickly, I saw it in myself where it's like, how many likes did I get today? And so this is all mental conditioning. Mm. Because we're now, when we're striving for likes, which almost everyone who is engaged in social media, that's, that's the boon. That's, that's the big holy grail right now. Is, yeah, how many retweets? You know, I got, mm. How many views? How many retweets? How many likes? And so we're stri we, it, it, it has made over the past you know, 10, 15 years, it has made us all addicted to being liked. And so one of the unspoken rules about being liked is, is about staying within agreement because the moment that someone disagrees look how quick we are to not like someone right? right we can we can think of somebody as fantastic and oh i love this i love the rock he's fantastic i love his movies he said what i don't like the rock anymore mm. you know just really quick like we have to they have to agree with what we and that's we've been wired to do that so much that these people know that the people at the helm of this agenda they know that so they know how to keep us in line by constantly threatening us of being cast out of our tribe so it's tribalism really and so but real sovereignty and independence requires us to not care about that crap to say and i have to thank pandemic for that because i really cared about that crap but after you have half the world come down on you and yeah and call you all the things that we mentioned earlier you start to build a thicker skin and i'm really grateful for that because now when i put things out i don't think i have to be careful because that might offend so and so is it true that's all that matters i don't care what side it offends if it's anti-trump and it's something he did i'm going to put it out yeah. if it's pro-trump because it's something wonderful he did like prison reform i'm going to put it out and i don't care if that's not popular with the people who might follow me because i don't want to yeah. be followed i want to be connected with people but I don't want to be a leader in that sense. We have to break this mindset of the guru, of the of the us being the the lowly worker bees, and then the you know we're all serving the queen bee or whatever. We yeah. have to break that that perception of, of of our existence, and understand that we're in a human organism, like every cell fighting to give you life right now in your body and my body. There's not one cell that's more important than the other, and that's that we have to just shift the way that we view our our involvement in this thing that we call life. It's an ecosystem is what you're saying. It is an absolutely e ecosystem. It's, it's, it's an organism. You know, mm. it's like we are, I, I view each human body 
as a cell within the organism of life. And so when the cells are fighting each other, what do we have? We have disease. Yeah. And so, the, you know, we're very diseased right now globally because all we do is fight each other. And, um, it, and, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's why we have to come back to our nature because as long as we're following ideologies, um, man-made ideologies, we will always be at odds with each other. But there's something really incredible yeah. that happens when we're in a state of natural intelligence. You know, when you see a flock of 2,000 birds flying as one body, turning on a dime as if they were one unit, those birds don't have separate ideologies. They're birds under the command of nature, and they have a collective consciousness that allows them to move as one. And it's possible for humans, but not so long as we are um, following these, these false leaders that, that, that whose job is to constantly scare us into submission yes and then convince us that they have the solution so that we will give our power to them i hope those days are ending right now i think they are. A, a great example of that and i know that uh, you have a little bit of a history with uh, with 9 11 um yeah. is uh, is the patriot act and at the time even here yeah. in you know in south africa i i was thinking oh this is a good idea in hindsight now it was a terrible idea um, why? How how did this happen? How did we? I mean, I can see you smiling, so you're agreeing with me. But how did this shift occur, and and why? Well, it's all these benevolent sounding things, you know, that that are just the opposite. The Great Reset. Mm. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Build back better. Awesome. The Fourth Industrial you know, who Revolution. Who doesn't want a yeah. Great Reset? Yeah, yeah. Right. And and so. They know how to brand these things so that everyone goes, yes, that's what we need most right now. A great mm -hmm. reset because we know we again, our computers have wired us to understand that. Um, I don't know about you, but when I finally clean up my desktop and I hit trash and that, that the trash empties on my computer, I feel it physically, you know, like <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that feels better. And so there's this there's this, you know, this need for us to clear our lives out, to clear the chaos out, to reset, to reboot. And it's why we like to go on vacation so we can reboot and like just get out of the, the, the chaos for a moment. And it's necessary for us. Um, but the things like the Patriot Act and all these things, you know, um, Citizens United and all these things that sound wonderful. Um, and there's always elements of it that are good. But that's like every political policy and bill that's ever been passed. There's always policies in it that are like, yeah, that's just great. Well, mm -hmm. what's under there? Right, we're going to give you that because we really want this. And so we'll give you a little bit of freedom so we can take away a lot of freedom. Um, and that's what people need to understand is, you know, d after 9-11, some dummy went through a metal detector with an explosive device in their shoe. 20 years later, we're still taking off our shoes. Mm. One guy, one incident, and it still affects us today. These liberties don't come back. And so the people who, whose job it is to reduce our liberties and to create a complete state of surveillance and, and control know that the only way to get us to say yes to that is to scare us enough that we think it's for our benefit and there's always a crisis well as they say don't let a good crisis go to waste i mean that's mm. they they invent the crisis yeah and then they create the solution to it um what appears to be the solution to it um, which is always a reduction of our freedoms
Well, I think it's pretty obvious that fear is the virus. It's all about fear and being a, a media veteran, I know that the, the number one tool they use to control people is fear. Um, it, it's because of what happens physiologically when we're in a state of fear. It, it, it shuts down our critical thinking capacity mm. and we move into a, a fight or flight mode. And, um, and we don't have the ability to create solutions at that point. It's just a, a game of running and, and surviving. And that's where they want us because then they, right. can, they can then direct us to where to run. Um, and then we get there and we go, how the hell did we get here? And it's like, well, because we weren't thinking. Mm. Um, and so it's pretty obvious that fear is the virus. And then um, for me, I really firmly believe that truth, the truth shall set us free. Yeah. And the reason that we're not free and, you know, I, I now can look back in my life. I, I've always been an optimistic person. I've had people say this to me through the years and I didn't want to believe it. But I can now look back and realize I've never been free. None of us have ever been free. We, we're just we're just allowed a, a, enough space to to have to live through the appearance as if we're, we are free. Um, but you know, stop paying your taxes. Um, don't adhere to some of the yeah. uh, laws and rules say stuff. You don't want them to, you, they don't want you to say online and, and you'll find out how free you are. And so, um, it's not that we're trying to return to exactly how it was before. I think there's a real fight to actually create a new system that, uh, allows us uh, more sovereignty, more ability to um, own our own land, produce our own food, generate our own energy, educate our own children. And these are the things that I'm involved in. And every, everything I just said right now, we're involved in some new company, new startup, new school, new curriculum, uh, because we just had it. We've had it. And we said, if I'm not going to, I don't want to sit around and complain about it anymore. I'm not going to sit around and be in fear of it anymore. I have two small children. I can't mm -hmm. be that for them. I have to show them what it's like to stand up, what it's like to do something about something that's not working. I can't just sit back and say, oh, well, it's, we've, you know, it's, it's, uh, they have a future and I might have 40 years left on this planet and, you know, they have 80, 90. And, um, and it's my responsibility as their father to do something and to show them that this is how you do it. And so my kids are active, actively involved in everything that I do. They know exactly what's going on. I shelter them from nothing mm. and I want them to be strong and I want them to be aware and awake um, and also loving and compassionate at the same time. And that's the thing that we've been convinced that we're, it's, we're not capable of. It's, it's a, the, holding that dualistic um, power of being able to be absolutely aware of how messed up things are and also at the very same time how divine and perfect things are. Yeah, it's hard for the human mind to grasp that. Um, but once we do it, it, that allows us to do something about what's wrong. And um, and that's where it, all of our uh, films and the stuff we're creating now are coming from a place of going. Everything is really messed up and absolutely the way it should be. This is we created this experience yeah. to come out of this to, to create a solution to this experience. So let's do it. Because the more we sit in, in, in a place of um, denial or resistance, you know, of uh, resistance in the form of, you know, non-action resistance, just no, this mm. shouldn't be happening. This is wrong. And this, no, the, uh, as a wise monk said to me years ago, when I began to study Buddhism, he said, resistance is the cause of all suffering. 
And I started mm. to look at that in my life and realizing, yeah, you know, everywhere that it, I, I find myself suffering is me saying, oh, they shouldn't have died that young. Oh, that should I should be I should make more money. I'm doing so much hard work and I, I have talent and I have it's always it was just like I, you know, resisting what is. And the moment I started to go, it is what is. So, you know, and it's my it's my uh, I, I I brought my life to where it is right now. And if I don't like it, the good news is, is if I brought it here, I can bring it. I can I can move away from this experience and yeah. choose something better. It, it's empowering to take responsibility for our lives. Mickey, I asked this question to all my guests. My final question. In front of you is a crystal ball. What do you see? Well, I see that this is the great awakening. It's not the great reset, it's the great awakening. This is the moment that storytellers since the beginning of civilization have been telling of these reluctant heroes. If you look at the the work of the hero's journey and, and pretty much the foundation, the, the literature uh, that has been handed down through time, even all the way to the modern movies that follow a, a three-act play. If you look at every Avenger movie and just about every movie that matters, you'll see that it's about a reluctant hero that is suddenly faced with somehow some, some massive crisis, and it might be just massive to them, and it could be a global crisis. Uh, they've been exposed to it. It's fallen into their lap. Um, they've stumbled upon a, a secret transmission of the CIA or the government, or they suddenly just an average everyday person suddenly now is faced with uh, knowledge that has the potential to change the course of history. And that hero then goes out to try to find the savior. And along the way, they meet a lot of what Joseph Campbell would call threshold guardians, people that try to pre prevent them from going to the next level. And then they meet mentors also. And sometimes those mentors give them lessons that they don't understand. Like the karate kid, paint, paint the fence, wax the car. And all it does is make the karate kid angry because he thinks the master has just taken advantage of his labor until he's engaged in actual battle and he realizes that, that was all muscle memory to block the punches and to actually defeat this bully that was yeah. making his life difficult. And so all these stories tell us one thing, that um, it, there's a moment when the hero, the reluctant hero, reaches the point after denying that it's not them, they're looking for the one, they are told they are the one, and the force is within. Even follow the yellow brick road, which is our, our intuition. It's all about looking inward and finding the power within. And so what I see in that crystal ball is humanity rising up to realize that we are the ones we've been waiting for, as cliche as that might sound. It is us. It is yeah. you. And we're here to do this together. There's no politician. There's no superhero coming to save us. This is the moment we, that we were born for, to come here, to, to wake up to reality, and then to co-create the reality that we choose to live through, to live in, to thrive in, and for our children to inherit. Vicky, where can people follow you? Plandemicseries.com or on Telegram, official Plandemic. God bless you, Mickey Willis. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. God bless you. It's so, so good to spend this time with you, really. Thank you for your questions. Yeah. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.